Uh, he had an MRI on it today. I think he's going to be uh, able to play. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, Will will have the official injury list for you. Uh, I'll make sure that uh, it gets officially laid out there uh, in your hands, but I think right now he's questionable. He's got dancing feet with that lower body. It's unbelievable. Look at the body. Look at that bubble butt. From my vantage point, you know, I saw uh, one of their players you know, try to spit on, my, spit on one of my teammates, and, and he was charging him, so I went in there to kind of separate it, and uh, I got called from sports, and like, I thought I was separating it, and, uh, you know, um, you just got to protect my teammates and, you know, just... You know, it was just instinct out there. You know, you never want to see another guy spit on your guys or charge him to try to fight him. So I just didn't want to make sure that he can touch Max and get close to him. Just being a little sarcastic and having a little fun here. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Adam Candy filling in for Ed Graney today on the press box. Some injury updates on this Raiders Dolphins matchup. Derek Carr, technically questionable, but it does sound like he's going to play. But Tua Tunga Viola is not going to play this week. He is out with fractured ribs, meaning Jacoby Brissett will start at quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. Raiders also looking at uh, injuries and guys potentially not playing like Richie Incognito and Josh Jacobs on that offensive side as well. Uh, but I do want to ask you, I want to go somewhere different with this. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars signed Nevin Lawson today. Uh, the Raiders recently released Nevin Lawson. He was suspended for the first two games of the season. Uh, he was potentially going to be the Raiders slot corner this year. Nate Hobbs, a rookie, the Raiders drafted in the fourth round, uh, sort of took that job in preseason. He was maybe the biggest standout of any Raider in the preseason outside of Nathan Peterman, obviously. Um, but I'm curious, like, what do you think of the Raiders getting rid of Nevin Lawson already and like going in on the three preseason games and two regular season games as the sample size they're okay with to say Nate Hobbs is good. Nate Hobbs is good enough to be that slot corner. Doesn't this fit John Gruden's pattern perfectly? Uh, to me, this says everything you need to know about the way John Gruden has chosen to build a roster. And I'm going to use a quote uh, that you called out about Alex Leatherwood to, to refer to it in the same way here. Um, because if you look at him saying about Alex Leatherwood, all right, we're going to call it a back strain about the injury that Alex Leatherwood has. So he's being evaluated as we speak. We'll list him, I'm sure, as questionable until we get further information. But we need our right tackle for sure. Our right tackle. The same sort of loyalty that I'm sure a Gabe Jackson or a Rodney Hudson would love to have had <laughs> from John Gruden is what he's throwing out there about Alex Leatherwood, about a guy who has played two games for this team after being overdrafted in the first round and has looked every bit the part of a guy who's been completely overmatched uh, in those two games. So I think when you look at Nevin Lawson versus Nate Hobbs, look, Nate Hobbs went out in the preseason and balled out, and Nate Hobbs had a pretty nice game against the Pittsburgh Steelers as well, and John Gruden has shown pretty consistently that the shiny object in front of his eye is always what's going to get the most love from him. So I'm not really shocked by it at all. I think the the one thing that's like that makes it okay, like this is fine, is it's not like Nevin Lawson was some tremendous slot corner that the Raiders are getting rid of. They're getting rid of a guy who's whatever, replacement level, maybe slightly better than that, at slot corner. So it's not like they're going to take a huge step back even if Nate Hobbs ends up being average, or even if he's slightly below average. It's not going to be a massive step back or a massive loss to lose Nevin Lawson. I've just found it somewhat interesting that 
the way they handle the roster and that they can be all in on a guy after two regular season games, even though he's looked pretty good. And I don't think there's been one bad thing said about Nate Hobbs the entire time he's been with the Raiders. But as I, I do wonder how much of it is them maybe trying to prove they can draft well and being like, oh, yeah, look at this guy. We drafted him in the fourth round. He's a starter. We're good to go there. But look at us. Compliment our draft picks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why would we expect much different than that? I mean, the team has its own social media putting out, uh, you know, things about how uh, they're going to prove the haters wrong when it comes to Alex Leatherwood. They did that the day after the draft about how, you know, the so-called experts weren't in on Alex Leatherwood, but Mike Mayock and John Gruden are. Okay, cool, go do it. Um, because we haven't seen much of it. Really, if you, if you look at the way that They've drafted. You give them credit for Hunter Renfro. You give them partial credit for Colton Miller because of when he was drafted. Um, and beyond that, you say that this team has not been able to draft. And so that's part of why we look at this 2-0 and start and say, how sustainable is it, right? Because the free agents have worked out. Casey Hayward's been good. K.J. Wright looked good last week. Denzel Perryman's looked good so far. They know the scheme. They fit the scheme. But it is a problem when you miss on the fourth fourth overall pick with Cleveland Furl. It is a problem when you reach for Damon Arnett to show everyone how smart you are, and Damon Arnett has looked awful. So it is a problem when you can't draft. You can only patch that up with free agents, especially in the NFL, uh, for so long. Like You can look at Casey Hayward coming in on a one-year deal and say, okay, so if Casey Hayward plays well this year, then hopefully for the Raiders they make the playoffs, and then what next year? Do you keep hoping that a quarterback cornerback who is going to be on the wrong side of 30 is going to continue to perform at that level? Or do you just hope that he coached up Trayvon, Trayvon Mullen and Nate Hobbs well enough that they can be the guys next year? Yeah, the Raiders blew up their team. They got a bunch of draft assets and a bunch of salary cap space that they could use on free agents. And they went into a rebuild. And when they've come out of the other side, if they were going to be a... Super Bowl contender, if they were going to be one of the better teams in the NFL, they were going to need all of those draft picks. Well, maybe not all of them, but a good chunk of those draft picks to end up being really good NFL players. And it's really a question as to if they've gotten maybe one in Colton Miller out of those high draft picks. So what we're seeing this year is, okay, those draft picks haven't worked out, but they're able to scrap together a competent team because Derek Carr is good. And because some of the draft picks have been okay. Some of the late round picks have been okay. And they've gotten some of these free agents to pull off. But it's really, I think when you look at it as a whole and the John Gruden era, it is a massive disappointment that even if they make the playoffs this year, and it's the second time in 19 years, and it'll be, again, the second best season in 19 years for this team, it's still ultimately going to be a disappointment because they had a chance. They had an opportunity to really rebuild and stock up and be a legitimate contender. And even though they're 2-0, it still seems like they're really, really far away from that. And I know fans don't want to hear it, right? They don't want to hear it. They don't want to, we're two and zero. Oh. We're two and zero. Oh. We're winning. You're just haters. No, we're we're talking about how you build a long term sustainable platform for this team to continue winning. You don't look at the Chiefs and worry about the Chiefs because they've gone out and added a couple of free agents. You worry about the Chiefs because their core is in place. That's the same reason that you look at the Buffalo Bills and say their core is in place. Um, you don't look at the Raiders and say, oh, yeah, they've got a lot to build on. No, you say they've got it held together with duct tape right now in a lot of places, and they stuck with Derek Carr long enough 
that Derek Carr is starting to look like a quarterback who might have taken a step forward here toward the end of his second contract. So that's great for the Raiders that Derek Carr is that guy because we know that no position is going to influence success more than the quarterback. But if we go back over the course of who they've drafted, you have to say that, as I said before, Renfro, and I forgot to mention Max Crosby in there, as lower round picks who've paid off have done well, but you had three first round picks because you traded Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, and you had your own pick, and you used them on Cleland Furl, who was inactive for game one and played 17 snaps in game two. You used them on Josh Jacobs, ostensibly the worst possible position you could use a first round pick on, in part because running backs sustain huge amounts of wear and tear, and Josh Jacobs looks worn and torn thus far this year. And Jonathan Abram, a guy who you've had to move to a different position in the hopes of at least making him a competent player. And then you have Damon Arnett before that. I mean, go, go as far back as you want. I mean, you know, Gary and Conley was even during the John Gruden era. Like, you can look at these and say, we hope that this team is going to pan out eventually, but it's not the long-term foundation that they need. Do you know anything about Jackson Barton? You're asking me this because the guy was on the practice squad for the Giants? <laughs> <Yes>. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, the Raiders got some offensive line injuries. Alex Leatherwood has that back strain, and they signed Jackson Barton from the Giants practice squad. I mean, it, is it that crazy to think he's any different from LMNOP or whoever else they have on the offensive line this week? I'm sorry. Who? What is Jermaine's last name? LMNOP is what we're calling him now. Tr Jermaine LMNOP. Yeah. Got it. Um, Jermaine Illuminor. Um, and I think where it comes down to is this. We have to do something that I don't think we've done a lot. We probably have to give Tom Cable a little bit of credit. Um, he's managed to piece this together, at least on the pass blocking side, well enough for this team to succeed. I mean, the run blocking has been a disaster, but with who they're starting right now, something's going to be a disaster. <laughs> and if it's going to be one of the two, you would assume you'd like it to be the run blocking. I Okay, I'm very curious. How do you think Tom Cable received the news when Mike Mayock or John Gruden told him, hey, uh, you know, Trent Brown, he's going to be gone. Rodney Hudson, he's going to be gone. Gabe Jackson, he's going to be gone. Uh, we're going to roll with Andre James as your starting center, and we're going to hope Denzel Good works out, and we're going to draft a guy in the first round who probably should have been taken in the second round. You can make that work, right? I think Tom Cable took it as a punch to the gut. I, I think he reached into his jaw uh, for some jawbreakers, and, you know, just chewed as hard as he could on them and uh, went and got some fruit punch. Tom Cable. All right. I'm on board with giving him credit. I'm here for that. We can give him credit. As long as, like, Derek Carr doesn't get sacked 15 times this week and the running game is somehow worse than it was in the first two weeks of the season, I'm on board with giving him credit. Coming up next, though, we're going to talk to Sam and Ash will join the show because Ryan Fitzpatrick might have gotten hurt on a water slide. Call Sam at Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. It's samandashlaw.com, 702-820-1234. I got bad news for you guys. Ed's not here today. What? What? You're Where's stuck Ed? with me. Yeah, he's, I don't know. It's Wednesday. He apparently has to go to Raiders practice. He's not here. Who? The Raiders? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who that is either. It's ridiculous. So Gosh. they're a team. Ed's not here. I think the I think me, Ed, and both of you together, I think all four of us have only been on like one show in the last like two months. 
This is you unacceptable. Know, if, if you guys loved us, uh, it wouldn't be. No, actually, it's Ed. He's the one that's it's always, always gone. Ed. Yes, I, it's always yeah. Ed. I'm always here. Jared's always there. Yeah. yeah. Old reliable. Yeah. O- old faithful. Old there we go. Faithful. That's Jared's nickname <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. So how are Jared? How are the mittens doing? Have they fully recovered from the uh, hot plates? The um, dish dishes. The Tyler, Tyler, I believe, had the best description of my hand once when I injured it, which was it's disgusting, and he keeps raising it into my face. Yeah, he's still got a pretty pretty nasty scar <laughs> looking on there, but I don't think he's in any pain it, if it bumps against the door or something. It's not as bad as the skin graft on my uh, wrist, so we're good. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, yeah, burns are no joke. All well, right. Let's ignore Jared's injuries for a little while longer. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, this this is a well, it's not fun for Ryan Fitzpatrick because he's hurt, but potentially fun story here. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, quarterback of Washington, he got hurt in Week One, hurt his hip, and left the game. Did not play in Week Two. Well, there's a radio station uh, in Washington that a caller called into and said that he saw Ryan Fitzpatrick limping around a water park before the first game of the season after he went down the, quote, fast slide at the water park. Now, this is just a random guy calling into a radio station, whether or not it was even Ryan Fitzpatrick or whether or not Ryan Fitzpatrick actually hurt his hip at this water park is still a big question. But if we go on the assumption that it is true here, (laughs) are you able to, like... Do a water park if you get hurt going down one of their slides? Well, actually, yes. Um, there, you, I I drive the 15 between California and Nevada, Las Vegas, all the time. And there is a deserted water park there. It's called the like Lake Dolores Water Park. And one of the fascinating stories is the lawsuit that they lost when one of their employees went down a water slide and it wasn't on and it should have been on or something like that. And he got hurt. Yeah, and because they're, yeah. And so he filed a lawsuit against them and basically bankrupted them. Um, but yeah, so if the, if the water park does something negligent, um, you know, in their maintenance or how they're operating the particular slide and that causes your injury, absolutely. You can sue them. If you go down a water slide and you just, I don't know, like hit the water funny and tweak your hip, that's not a case. How, I mean, the guy from Harvard getting injured on a water slide, uh, that, 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 that should be lawsuit in and of itself, right? Hey, book smart, street smart. Some people have one or the other. (laughs) On the actual football side of this, uh, do you guys think Washington would have anything they could do to Fitzpatrick if he did, in fact, get hurt at a water park and then hit it from the team before the season started? Oh, I would imagine it's in his contract. It's all going to be in his contract. And the the answer is the teams typically protect themselves uh, from from players doing stuff on their own time and you know we we've, we see the videos right doing stupid stuff you know before a season even during a season getting hurt uh, and then that's a financial burden on the team so they, they're they're protecting themselves from that so if it's true uh, we're gonna hear about it because they're 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 going to look to claw back pay and if yeah even if it's not true I mean the the Washington football team, they're going to start questioning him, and he's going to be like, I wasn't at the water slide, or I was, but I didn't I didn't go down the slide. Like, this is going to get interesting. So, I I mean, I kind of I feel bad for I Fitzpatrick. I didn't inhale. 
<laughs> okay, hold on. I, on the contract side of this, because we've had stories in the past about like teams saying, hey, you can't ride a motorcycle or whatever it is, guys that have mm-hmm. gotten hurt doing stuff like that. How specific do teams have to be? Because I can't imagine they would ever specifically put in a clause about <laughs> no. water parks. But Well, maybe if he has a history of it. <laughs> I guess. But like the man loves his water slides. <laughs> no, look, it's a it, that's a great question. It really comes down. There's gonna be catch-all language, and it's and so and so instead of it's not gonna say water slide, uh, but it'll say you know dangerous activity. It'll it'll have qualifying words, and then his lawyers are gonna look at that and say, well, this doesn't qualify. That doesn't meet the you know this this was an acceptable activity. Uh, and accidents happen. You know, you can be getting out of your car and slip and fall, uh, and get hurt. So, you know, not not every activity would be would be obviously would be um, a violation of the of the contract. Okay, we got another story that is one of the most ridiculous things that we've probably ever heard, and it has to do with Ohio State football. Ohio State football bloggers. Uh, I give me a minute here. I'm just going to read through all the allegations here. So we have a website that's BuckeyeScoop.com. Uh, they have fired and now are suing two former employees. One was a former Ohio State football player in Kirk Barton. One was a guy who just went by his message board name, Nevada Buck. But here's what the lawsuit alleges, uh, that Barton took $7,500 from the site and purchased a vehicle. That Barton then added uh, that ads for the car dealership that he bought that vehicle from to the website. But Buckeye Scoop never got any money from that dealership. He also put ads from a freight lining company on the site that Buckeye Scoop never received any money from. But the owner of that freight company says he did pay $5,000 for it. Uh, in a fantasy football league for subscribers to the site, Barton would alter the lineups at halftime uh, to favor his team and his wife's team. He was also in charge of merchandise sales for the website. And Buckeye Scoop says they never received any sales or sale money from that. And... Barton and the message road poster are accused of paying an injured Ohio state football player for information about the team. That player was in, ultimately <laughs> kicked off the team when Ohio state found yes. out about this. Um, yes. <laughs> so welcome to college football bloggers. Yeah. Uh, I imagine even if it's not all true, these guys are going to be in a lot of trouble. I am shocked most of all from the story, realizing how much money there is, how lucrative it is. <laughs> To have these like school specific sites, these yeah. blogs, how much dough is rolling through there? Um, and winning but this, schools. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, was that a UNLV knock? Mm. So Proud I. alum. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so here, uh, look. It's a it's a very standard partnership dispute, where these other partners and the entity itself is claiming that one of its owners members uh is uh, is enriching himself and is and is and is putting money in his pocket that belongs to the company and if true it's a very serious allegation and it's you know frankly could even even rise in some cases to to criminal charges so i you know uh, i um i look at this and i go look it's uh, these are all allegations that will have to get proved in court just because they're in a complaint doesn't make them true, but if they, if I, I would doubt that these guys would file a, a lawsuit that is so specific, <laughs> right, without having some basis for these allegations. Because lawyers, when they file a complaint, we are required to 
you know, to not be, you know, mislead the court. So we have to be truthful, believe it or not. And so his lawyers, <laughs> the lawyers for this company are, are under a duty to, to at least somewhat investigate these claims and know that they're true. So the football player that ended up getting kicked off the team for giving them information. So the allegation here is that they paid this kid money and he was injured and he was like was watching film of all the position groups, even the ones he wasn't a part of, and then giving these guys information on who was starting, who was injured, who was playing well, who was playing poorly. Like, does he have any recourse against these guys? For like, hey, you got me kicked off the team, or is it, hey, if he actually took money for this, he's got nothing to do here? If he had some type of contract with them, um, sure, he might have recourse, but otherwise, no. I mean, that he assumed the risk. He had to know what he was doing was likely not going to be kosher with the team and run afoul of that. And so I think, I think really, no. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I want to know if he got hurt in a water slide <laughs> incident, <laughs> right? Uh, he, may, he may have a personal injury case. Um, but no, no, he's he's yeah, he's violating league rules or school rules, and that's it. Out. Okay, so I have I the part that I'm most confused about is they were changing fantasy football scores halfway through games, um, which is the most. Uh, Tyler said earlier in the show, it's like the most obvious thing you could possibly do. But if we if we go if we zoom out outside of this case, would anyone ever have an actual like civil case against like, hey, our GM is changing the scores on yes. our fantasy? Okay, thanks. yes, absolutely, because people are relying on these scores and money's changing hands. I mean, I I don't I don't play any of these games, but I, I my understanding is that people. People, this is like real our, business. For you don't stuff. play, you say. We got to get I, Sam in our fantasy oh, football league. This, uh, this should I not have admitted that? Uh, <laughs> You're gonna no. get lots of invites next season. <laughs> Bring it, but but honestly, right? Imagine now somebody was um, you know monkeying with those scores and 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 you're you're paying out money to somebody when they in fact should be paying money to you. I am I am ready for Sam and Ash to be representing a fantasy football case. We would do that's, that. That's I'm, I'm speaking just for myself. I haven't run this by my partner yet. But it, wait, is there like anything ridiculous like that where you've had a court case that's been over something like fantasy football? What am I doing here? Oh, not me personally. Okay. I mean, I've heard cases over like Amex points and divorces and things like. Like, <laughs> wait I remember. A I, why are you bringing me up? <laughs> this is they asked you um they asked you for your experience yeah I, I gotta find I, a tweet but one example was uh a, i think it was a judge tweeted that he was looking over a divorce and they had joint custody of a parrot and he had to tell them they had to basically settle on neither one of you can teach the parrot to say bad phrases about the other one yes i saw that I, I had a good laugh about that one when they're training the parrot to yeah. basically talk trash to the other uh, spouse, soon to be ex. That was funny. That's what I'm here for. That's what we're here for. They are Sam and Ash. It's SamandAshLaw.com. 702-820-1234. Hurt in a crash. Call Sam and Ash. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. <laughs> Thank Hi, you. Thank good you. to talk to you guys. So there is Sam and Ash. Don't mess with fantasy football lineups or you're going to get in trouble. Coming up next, J.R. Starkis joins the show. 
Call Sam at Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Ready for the weekend? Let's find out what's on tap. We can provide you with a wine tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink. It's Thirsty Thursday with J.R. Starkus. Who needs a drink? So we drink and we drink and we drink some Good morning, J.R. How are you doing on a Wednesday? I know, good. Good morning, Ed. How are you? Good. Ed's not here, though, so kind of a sad Ed day. Ed has practice. He has practice today? Yeah, he's got to go, I don't know, test for COVID and then watch the Raiders practice. Sounds pointless, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, didn't you get enough in preseason? I mean, what else is there to watch? Are <laughs> right? they giving more? Are they giving stuff away the further in we get? Go here or what? No, see, I actually think so. I think the timeline here is Ed has to test like at eight o'clock or something, and then they get to watch the start of practice. But that's not until like ten something, and then they only get to watch like fifteen minutes, and then they can't watch the rest of practice, and then they're there until the press conference, which happens like at one or something like that. So he basically has three different events that last less than 15 minutes, but they're spaced out by about six hours. What a brutal day. Yeah. I went to, I went to that, um, you know, I went to that Raiders, you know, season ticket holder practice thing that they had at the stadium. And um, I was there for about an hour, hour and a half watching. And I, I, I like, even that, I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, <laughs> there's just, you know, like there's just too many things happening. There's stuff happening over the loudspeaker. There's people everywhere. Like, I don't know how you cover it. I mean, it's a skill, I guess. I because I, I, I'm watching it from uh, the seats that we were in and, and walking around the stadium. I'm like, what, what what's happening here? There's just everything is everywhere. I can't keep track. Are you a season ticket holder? No, oh. uh, my my cousin is, and she didn't want to go to that. And my wife hadn't seen the stadium yet, so she uh, she said uh, he wanted he wanted to go check it out. And I was like, all right, let's go because I knew there wouldn't be. I had gone to the USA game, the USA and Mexico game that you were at. And I saw the nightmare of people that were going in and out of that. And I was like, all right, well, I'll go to this one because there won't be as many people and I won't have to fight it again. You didn't so, uh, take the wife to a UNLV game? <laughs> uh, you know what? She would, I don't know. She would probably go if we had tickets. Um, she doesn't mind going to the football games, but um, I don't think she would go to a Raider game. I think she would, uh, she would probably just not want to be around too many people. How confident are you the Red Sox are going to make the playoffs? Oh, 100%, man. Oh, I'm a, I, wow. Yeah, yeah. Look at no, you. I, I, I love it. I, you know, I have a friend that's a Yankees fan that um, a couple, what is it, after the Red Sox were ahead by so much and then they, they pooped the bed and uh, then, they, then the Yankees took over that spot, he, of course, immediately sends me a screenshot of the standings from the American League East, and uh, I held on to that, and I am absolutely waiting for the Red Sox to get in the playoffs and the Yankees to miss the playoffs, as you mentioned earlier on the show. And I will make sure that that screenshot has a nice rebuttal um, to him as soon as it happens. Aren't we less than 12 months removed from him being like, get the position players out there to pitch? Yes. Oh, I said position players should pitch in trash games. Yes, they should. Like, don't burn your pitching. Like, if it's a 17 to 3 game, you're winning or losing, frankly. Uh, but chance, but even more so if you're losing and you have a game tomorrow, don't burn your arms. Like that game's a loss. Stay for the next arm, put a position player out there, let him throw 43 mile per hour, um, uh, <laughs> pitches and call it a day. Like have some fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Get him out there. Don't J- waste arms. Yeah. Jay, like, oh, burnt. we got to pull up triple a guys to, 
we got to uh, option guys down and pull up triple A guys because we have no arms in the bullpen because we had a we got our butt kicked in a game that we should have we we should have given up on in the seventh. Jr. is going to have his third baseman practicing knuckleballs after the after practice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would tell the guys, hey, everybody, work on a knuckleball. You never know when you're going to be called on. Next man up, let's go. Last year, though, when the Red Sox were awful, you were telling us that they should just be putting their shortstops and their left fielders <laughs> on the mound to start games yes. because the pitching was so bad. Oh, well, yeah. At that point last year, the pitching was <laughs> terrible. And if, you know, probably would have been just as good. Uh, and at that point, at least, at least you can say, well, there's no tape on this guy. We don't know what the hell he's <laughs> there's got. There's no tape so, on this you know, guy. <laughs> I don't know what, we don't know what's coming. It's going to be 74 it's miles nothing. an hour or nothing, nothing you know. And so you're going to hope that they're way ahead. Um, and, and, you know, I, I use this as an example. When I played, when I was still playing before JT played, um, I, I was fortunate enough to, you know, in my men's league, played with a bunch of really talented guys. And there were some pro guys that would come out and play with us just to goof off. Right. And I watched normal dudes, you know, that never made it strike these pros out because they're not used to seeing 84 like that or 77. They're used to seeing 94. And so why not throw a guy out there? He's there. You know, will they adjust? Sure. They'll adjust. Then you throw your shortstop out. Then then adjust. You throw your left fielder in there. Throw the bullpen catcher in there. That's what I like to see. I enjoy, by the way, that your your hopes for the Red Sox to make the playoffs is not because you want to watch them in the playoffs or you want them to win the World Series. It's so you can send your friend a screenshot of the standings at the end of the year. Well, I mean, it's it's all it's all bundled, and and one of those people is my wife because she likes the Yankees just because I like the Red Sox. (laughs) So I'd like to rub it in her face too. I like your wife. Oh, I like your wife. That's how I make decisions in life. Yeah. Last night I was watching uh, the ball game. I was watching the Dodger game for a little bit because I couldn't get the Nesson network up. And uh, so I, I, I'm seeing the updates of the Red Sox game. And as it, and then I was like, ah, oh, damn it, the Yankees won. And she just kind of looked at me and she smiled and just went back to reading her book because I was talking to my son. And she just looked at me and just chuckled because that's exactly what she wanted to hear because she knows how much that infuriates me. All right. What are you making for us today? <laughs> so, you know, uh, other than the, the slight detour we took last week because of Negroni week, um, you know, we talked about how September is Bourbon Heritage Month, and it, I would be remiss if I did Bourbon Heritage Month and didn't include our friends from Frey Ranch. Um, so, you know, obviously we've talked about Frey Ranch quite a bit on the show. I love talking about Frey Ranch. It's an incredible brand, and it's local. It's ours. It's, it's, it's incredible stuff that's starting to make its way across the United States as I follow them on Twitter and I see people picking up the bottles wherever they can and bringing it back to their home state, wherever that is. And it's starting to spread its wings a little bit. But Frey Ranch has told us that because Nevada is home, Nevada will never run out of whiskey. They will pull bourbon out of every other state to make sure that Nevada is always fed. And um, the whiskey is incredible stuff, and it's something we should be very proud of. So I wanted to do another cocktail, uh, including Frey Ranch bourbon, which they also have a rye whiskey. If you like rye, they also use a rye whiskey. But I'm using Frey Ranch bourbon, uh, and it, it would be a shame on me if I didn't include them. So... Uh, very simple ingredients, as I typically do. Uh, you're going to need three-quarter ounces of fresh lemon juice. You're going to need three-quarter ounces of honey syrup. Now, honey syrup is nothing more than just equal parts honey and water that you mix together um, until it, it, it dissolves. Um, if you don't want to take the time to make that honey syrup and mix water and honey together, agave syrup will work, and so will simple syrup. If you want to just do it simply, it will work. It will change the flavor. The drink will still work, though. But I'm using honey syrup. Um, I'm also going to use one ounce of fresh orange juice. Uh, fresh orange juice is key here. Do not use, like, Tropicana, even though it says, quote, unquote, fresh 
on the can on the box. Uh, use take an orange, squeeze an orange. About half of an orange will give you an ounce of juice, um, and and you'll have it. It makes a much better cocktail. We're going to use a Domaine de Canton ginger liqueur, which is a wonderful ginger liqueur, not too ginger forward. So if you're a tech person that says, ah, I don't like ginger, it just adds a nice little accent piece to what you might already pick up in the Frey Ranch when in the aging process in the barrel. And then, of course, Frey Ranch whiskey. So you're going to take three-quarter ounces of lemon juice, three-quarter ounces of honey syrup, one ounce of fresh orange juice. You're going to take half of an ounce of the Domaine de Canton ginger liqueur, and one and a half ounces of Frey Ranch bourbon, so five ingredients only. You're going to add them all to a uh, mixing glass or a mixing tin. You're going to add ice to that mixture. Always add ice after, um, in this case, because you, don't, you want to start the dilution process when it's your turn, when you want it to start. So add ice after you add those ingredients to the mixing glass or the mixing tin. Shake them all together, and then strain the ingredients over fresh ice, um, and when I say fresh ice, you'll see in some of my videos, and sometimes I say shake and pour, so you're using the same ice. This time we're not using the same ice. We want to use fresh ice. Pour it over ice in a rocks glass. Garnish it with just an orange slice. You can add a piece of candied ginger if you want. You can add a piece of mint. doesn't really matter. I just use a, a, an orange slice since it's part of what I was juicing anyway. And shake it straight over fresh ice, and that's it. That's the drink. Uh, I call it Friend Up North. It is a beautiful cocktail. It's easy to drink. Slightly sweet, slightly. Um, if you think it's too sweet, it's easy to back down on the simple syrup or the honey syrup a little bit or kick up the acid in the lemon juice um, and, and, and call it a day. It's a great cocktail. It's a crafty cocktail, but something you can do for yourself at home with ingredients that you can find at the liquor store or the grocery store, plain and simple. JR, I'm a little curious. Uh, are you adding the, the ginger liqueur in order to add like a bit of warmth or a bit of like, oh, I, I, I don't want to say the word spice, but almost a little bit of spice to like cut into the smoothness of the Frey Ranch? Yeah, you, you add it like, so in the mixology world, you have a base spirit, you have your, and then you have a modifier. This modifier, right? I, I could do the same recipe, consider everything the same and say, instead of Domaine de Canton, let's say I swapped in St. Germain. Instead of St. Germain or Domaine de Canton, I put in Aperol. Right, same oh. proportion. The drink works exactly the same, but it's a modifier, so it will slightly tweak the flavor of the drink based on that modifying base. So uh, I could have gone any direction here, and and it would have worked just as well. You'll of course you'll find one that you like best, right? But the drink and the recipe and the the way that it's built is is um, it will still work. So to answer your question, yeah, you you add it because when you taste whiskey from the barrel, right? You you'll taste vanilla. You'll taste, you'll say, oh, I taste cinnamon, I taste baking spices, ginger, uh, coconut, chocolate, these type of things, right? So how can I accent that in my cocktail to put Frey Ranch on a pedestal in the drink because I'm adding these other things to it? In this case, I'm using the Manda Canton ginger because there you will, I think, pick up hints of ginger when you taste the barrel-aged Frey Ranch, when you taste it neat. That's how we build cocktails. What do I taste? How can I accompany that in a cocktail? Why is it named the Friend Up North? Friend up north because Frey Ranch is, is our friend up north. Uh, they are based in Fallon, Nevada, just uh, about an hour outside of Reno. And uh, so they, they are our friend up north. We don't have very many friends up north, but they are, they are definitely a friend up north and uh, something worth having on every single bar at home for, and restaurant here in Nevada for sure. All right. So I, I've gotten a couple bottles of Frey Ranch, and the one thing that I really love is I love um, – and this is going to be very stupid – 
the I, I love how they top their bottles. Mm-hmm. Is that something that's just more of an accent, or is it the, like the the quarter cork with a like metal cap? Is that is there? Do they do that for a reason on certain yeah, whiskeys? Yeah, they do. You know, so well in the case of Free Ranch, right? It, the bottle is all intended to be things. It's kind of intended, you know, to be everything that you can find on the ranch. Um, you know, Colby, the master distiller, the founder, and his wife Ashley. They're very proud of their brand. They're very proud of this. They do it all by hand. Everything is done on their ranch. Um, so that top, if you look at it, is like a bolt, and that's that yeah. bolt is 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 something that you would typically find like on one of the tractors or some of the pieces that that Colby uses all the time. The label itself is is a replica of the belt that Colby wears. That was a gift from I believe it was his grandfather or his great grandfather, right? And he still wears it. Um, so that's what their label is based after is Colby's belt. So everything there is intended to be kind of something that replicates the distillery or the farm or the ranch itself. Even the bottle itself is incredibly heavy, right? Yeah. And you think oh about my God. And you think, yes. yeah, it's very heavy. Uh, it, it, when you hold it, you're like, like wow, shockingly that's, that's so. a heavy bottle. Yeah, it's a workout. So, but even that, if you think about like the things that are on a ranch, like a lot of those things would tend to be made of metal or steel and very heavy. So they kind of duplicated even that with the bottle. And, um, and so for, for, they tied this brand together so well. Um, but besides all the marketing pieces that you've, you've, you've obviously noticed, um, you know, it, those are all fun and good, but the juice has to be good inside of the bottle. And if it's not, you, you know, the discerning palate and the general customer will just shove it away. They don't care about that. We've had other brands here locally that just aren't that good, right? They're local and people want to be proud of them, but they're just not that good. And it's hard to get behind that. Um, you know, we may have some local teams that are hard to get behind because they're just not that good. You never know. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's uh, but this, this stuff is good and, and it's, it's, it's excellent. And you're going to continue to see it grow. You're going to continue to see it everywhere. So I highly encourage you to pick up a bottle. And if you're skeptical about picking up a bottle, next time you go to your local bar, ask them if they have Frey Ranch. If they do, try it. You will not be disappointed, especially if you like bourbon or rye. Uh, check so out good. JR Makes Drinks on Instagram. JR Starkus from Southern Gladers Wine and Spirit. All that at Liquor World as well. JR, thank you so much for joining us. You got it, guys. You got it. Take it next week. All right, here we go. We got tickets to give away. We got two tickets to go see the Golden Knights and Colorado Avalanche in a preseason game. We will take caller number nine at 702-364-1100. That's 702 702- Three six four eleven hundred. Caller number nine will be going to the Golden Knights Avalanche preseason game. Hello, this is Kirilli Kaprizov. I buy second home in Las Vegas because I know where I will be six years from now. Just to the Golden Knights fans, hello early. I'll be there soon. Bye. I love that voicemail so much. I love our terrible. Kirill Kaprizov impersonator. It's maybe the dumbest thing we've had on our voicemail, but it's the greatest thing it's, we've had on our voicemail. I, I love Mike. We've got two from Mike. He's done it twice now. I know, but he's, he's great. We need the Golden Knights to actually, like he said, <laughs> actually get him so we can hear this from Mike every day because it's not like Kaprizov comes up on the show on a daily basis. He did sign a new contract with the Minnesota Wild. It was a five-year deal worth $9 million a year. Uh, for $45 million total. So he's in the news occasionally. And maybe when the Golden Knights play the Minnesota Wild. But we need him more in the news so we can get more impersonations from Mike. It's the we, only thing I want around here. We need to trade uh, Peyton Krebs for... Uh, yes! <laughs> when does that happen? 
Hell, Peyton Krebs might be older than Kaprizov. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, yeah, trading for a young guy over there. So we need, yes, I'm all on board getting rid of Peyton Krebs for Kaprizov. It sounds like a great trade for everyone except the Minnesota Wild. And eh, Kaprizov is 24, a little older than I thought. But still, make the trade. That's all I want to hear is just Mike giving us more Kirill Kaprizov impersonations that we can play every day. That's what we need. Can we get, man, we didn't get him from Mike during the playoff series. So we need another Golden Knights wild playoff series is what we need. So we can get more from Mike on our voicemail doing the Kaprizov impersonation. So there's Mike. All right. I do want to end the show. Oh, okay. Because I had a question okay, for you. Okay, go ahead. What's your question? Okay. So yesterday was the one-year anniversary of when Anthony Davis hit a game-winning jumper against the Nuggets in the bubble. We are training camp for the Lakers opened yesterday. So we have had three NBA seasons in less than a calendar year. Is that, like, great? Okay. See, to me, that's like, like that, that to me is like my mind is exploding. No, that's great for me. I'm on board. I just I just don't even understand. Like they Oh yeah, should... the bubble happened. Oh yeah, there was a whole other <laughs> there was a whole other playoff run. They should make the players that don't make the playoffs, each team should have to form a three on three team and play Olympic style three on three rules once the finals are over. <laughs> so we can have more basketball and we can have, as Kelsey Plum calls it, basketball on bath salts. We should uh, you know who who we should we should get to be the commissioner of that. Ice T. Oh, Ice T. No, that's the big three. It's not as much fun. No, that's Ice Cube. Oh, they're not the same person. <laughs> I hate you. Which one was in Law and Order? Ice T. Which one is Ice Cube? The other one. I don't know what they look like, so I'd assume they were the same person. Ice Cube is from Friday. Oh, you don't don't come don't, on here with don't, the movie. Yeah, reference. don't no. He doesn't know movies. I don't know he what doesn't that is. know music. Okay, have you ever heard the song Today Was a Good Day? That's a meme. That's a song? Are you telling me that video of him driving oh that's Ice Cube. Yes! In the car driving yes. away. Yes, I know who that he is. He bleeped now. around and got a triple double. I mean I don't know who that is, but I know who he is from that meme. You're the worst. That's what he's known for, right? I mean, he's a mogul. He's a, he's a mogul. Wait, why, wait, why should he be the commissioner of my three-on-three league? No, he shouldn't be. I'm saying Ice-T should be. Okay, the guy why, from should Law and Order. why should Ice-T be because the Because it would make it confusing, and I like chaos. Oh, I'm already confused. I think he's saying because Ice Cube has his three-on-three yeah, no, league, I'm, so Ice-T. I'm already confused. I thought they were the same people, so... Why isn't the big three? It's not as much fun as three-on-three Olympic basketball. Three-on-three Olympic basketball is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I'm on board for watching 10-minute game, 10 games all the time. It's phenomenal.